Chapter Ten of Man and Nature on the Broads by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. October in Broadland. Along the woods, along the Moorish fens, sighs the sad genius of the coming storm. The wanderers of heaven, each to his home retire save those that love to take their pastime in the troubled air or skimming flutter round the dimply pool by thompson a decided change has crept almost imperceptibly over broadland and the face of nature in general the eddying winds of autumn are making inroads among the sere and yellow leaves that tint the hedgerow and the woodland but which are yet beautiful to look upon even in their decay the approach of winter has already made its influence felt among the tribes of earth and air the summer birds are entirely missing the chinking notes of the redbreast become almost as familiar as the chirruping of the sparrows and the sweeter sounds that greeted us in the sunnier days have given place to harsher cries and wilder call notes the holidays are over the seaside watering places have assumed their normal appearance no longer the huge trains of joyous excursionists and the heavily laden steamboats pour forth their loads of holiday-making humanity the towns and cities have settled down again for a long spell of serious work the dwellers in the quiet country are still busy in the fields for a prospective harvest in the coming year demands their following the ploughshare and the harrow contented hodge is whistling at the plough tail his merry whirr dobbin bespeaking the completion of another furrow the white-winged craft that recently crowded the silent flowing river are absent the riverways and the lagoons of broadland are no longer ploughed by the sharp bows of the swift gliding yachts nothing but the huge tanned sails of the wherries may be seen speeding their devious ways among the sedge-lined rivers and reed-surrounded broads on many a sloping shore the dismasted yachts may be found there to remain until another springtime shall see them spick and span ready to glide down again into their favourite element once more we shall have a quiet run-up to-day and it is a strange little craft in which we hope to reach the broads though i say it myself says skipper bessie there ain't her likes on the broads and rivers for miles around and there ain't another as is built for the self-same purpose and let get her clear of the town and you'll see what a merry little thing she is our skipper is an eel merchant and as such has been known to the fenmen far and near for the last thirty years hundreds of tons of eels have passed through his hands 
our vessel is simply a big ship's gig with a streak or two added to her height her sharp stem and stern and cutter rig giving her an exceedingly rakish appearance at the fall of the year when eels are running and the eel catchers are busy with their eel sets up and down she plies going empty returning full sometimes with several hundredweights in her well fore and aft the craft is buoyant indeed at the stern is a famously snug cabin in which the skipper and his man make comfortable when on their strange voyaging to and fro midway the vessel is one huge tank the sides of it being perforated with innumerable holes for the free ingress of water what a squirming mass of living things will be there below decks on her return it is blowing stiffly as we reach the open marshland we have a flowing tide and a famous south-easter which strengthens into half a gale ere we have been many miles on our voyage how the trim thing spins along with every stitch of canvas crowded on mainsail topsail and jib several wherries are speedily overhauled fast as they are sailing although with shortened sail and with their lee plankways under water our vessel is well ballasted and our worthy skipper knows her capabilities and we fancy is amused at our slight uneasiness for now and again she heels over somewhat unpleasantly the marsh houses the pump mills and the remnant of the cattle on the marshes flit quickly by and a bubbling eddy of white foam surges behind us the wherrymen salute us in their rough pleasant way as we pass them and throw out not unpleasant eulogies on the white-bearded skipper and his dashing polly but the wind shows signs of strengthening and it is thought best to strike the topsail yet we tear along with undiminished speed you was axin sir bessie resumes with his hand upon the tiller about their meal sets see yinder's one hangin on stacks to dry it's old billy nicholls's there's old billy hisself in the stern sheets of his houseboat a washin hisself it's time he had a scrub i reckon but law bore you can't tell mud from suntan on them old fellers they get so coloured up by strong air and sunshine that mud and clothes and men seem all of a piece mornin billy mornin bessie returns the old man of the muds give us a call on your way back all right replies our skipper and keeps on we was talkin of eel sets sir you know as well as i do that in the fall of the year myriads of eels return to the sea from whence they came in springtime as tiny elvers though bigger and darnin needles some big naturalists tell us as how these older ones don't return i beg to differ 
for what's them as we catch in springtime a workin up the rivers anyway in september and october they take a fit for a sea trip and your broadman knows it and tis to his advantage to stop em so he just does his best to do it what with babbin and pickin much is done but for wagon hauls there's nothing to beat the sets in the day our real man does his snoozin at night he keeps his wits about him his ill set stretched across a river must be watched or parson craft would spoil his little game as you saw by the eel set as was dryin it ain't much unlike a trawl net like a wall of network the four parts placed athwart the stream corks keepin the top afloat lead sinkers keepin all smart below what about the wherries cuttin it well it's like this there's two or three lines fastened to the top line these run through blocks fixed to stakes in the river bottom it ain't a warm job always to keep watch at night you think but ain't your ill bloke as tough as most folk and ain't his kettle a hot tea allers on the hob if a wherryman looms up he sings out to other who slacks the rope pulls the lines and down goes the top line and there you are wherrymen know where they're set as well as the eel blokes do and tain't often as damage is done three or four openings in this wall of net have long eighteen or twenty foot purse nets attached which as you saw are kept open by means of hoops fastened to em these pods as they term em are laid and staked downstream their positions being marked by floats funnel-shaped fixins inside of course make it awkward for the eels to get out again return tickets aren't issued bore you may lay your hand to your heart on that sometimes they do well sometimes badly dirty weather and a wanin moon suits the business best but come down sir afore you leave us breakfast's ready and don't that kettle o tea smell jest refreshin and delicious we leave the ill merchant getting ready to resume his up-river voyage for we have been moored to a stave while breakfast was being discussed and much fish and folklore with it we wish we could have invited the reader down into that snug warm cabin and surely he would have relished the humble meal of brown bread and cheese and enjoyed it none the less for the novelty of the situation and an increased appetite nor have hesitated to wash it down with a basin of steaming milkless tea we make our way along the river bank towards the little brick bridge which spans the stream our eel man has shot it and with upraised mast and sails has again caught the breeze how the wind sways the quivering reeds to and fro now bending low as it strikes them 
they lower their woolly head tufts as if some giant reaper had drawn his scythe through their slender stems but a moment after they have lifted again to be swayed in another direction like the troubled waves of the wild north sea they are incessantly in motion their dry leaves rustle like the sound of shingle thrown up by the curling sea waves a heron rises with startled scream from a ditch side and lets fall an eel as he mounts upon his great grey wings and takes to flight a moorhen runs in a skulking manner upon the broken sedges that line the ditch margin jerking its funny white tail feathers and then vanishes in a clump of rushes nature has assumed a somewhat desolate appearance a pavement of decaying leaves marks where the water-lilies spread their summertime beauties the iris and many another characteristic broad plant are flowerless and leaf and stem have become yellow and shrivelled the broadland botanist has all but discontinued his rambles but has plenty to do in the long evenings in arranging specimens he has already collected the alders and willows shake their decaying foliage in the blast and many a leaf falls into the debris that has been blown in a tangled mass beneath their overhanging branches the swans with their still grey signets pay scant heed to the fury of the elements a flock of wild ducks pass overhead and yonder long-billed birds dashing by sideways to the wind must be curlews their weird mellow call notes unmistakably proving our conjecture to be correct a puff of smoke from a bunch of reeds on the rond by the river is followed by the fall of one of their number the report is from none other than jim trett's fowling piece her bark as the fenman describes it is unmistakable and out from his lair the old man stalks and retrieves his fallen game we would not disturb him but the good fellow seeing us beckons us towards him that's a dinner for the old woman to-morrow he informs us after a shake of his horny fist and the usual salutation some folks be too particular bore and tell you curlew ain't grand eatin but they didn't know you see it's just because they've eaten em when they weren't in their prime d'ye see this'll do bore for it's a young un and just off the northern moors where twere bred and born its grub was lobworms and insects and other bog livin critters i've heerd my old dad say as how a curlew be she white or be she black she carries twelve pence on her back not as it's worth a bob to me bor anyway it ain't spoiled its flavour yet as it would soon ha done down at the sea coast on a salt water diet lay yell down look kedgy or lively and mind that pole coal or mud puddle 
a loud report follows the old man's sight down the long bright barrel which he has been loading during his eulogy on the curlew this time a lapwing is slain and as we peer through an opening in the reeds we see the poor thing stop short in its flight turn over and with extended wings fall like a clod upon the rond from which it rebounds several inches with the impact jim trett evidently knows well the lay of the country and that certain spots are used as leads by various wild birds here boar he resumes horn pies or lapwings or peewips as some call em generally lead this time o the year arter feedin on them meshes or marshes behind them fir trees yinder they come back in the mornin to the uplands to preen their plumage and nap till nightfall here come two or three more i'll whistle em the fellow's wrinkled face puckers up as he imitates the hornpie's familiar cry but though they answer to it they fly wide of him we leave him to his own devices and make towards the broad after promising to drop in at eventide to discuss the merits of an old hernshaw or heron as he'd kilt the night afore on the mashes the breeze has upset jim's arrangements for the day had the weather been different he would have been out roach fishing with a gentleman who is keen upon the pastime as it is this angler he informs us had gone to the fenman shelter and jim as we saw him had made the best of matters by air an old peggy his favourite fowling piece and shootin for what he couldn't arn his dinner dropping in at the fenman shelter we find the aforesaid roach angler a plump well-nourished fussy gentleman who seems alternately amusing himself with sipping a mug of ale and munching biscuits reading a week-old telegraph and peering in a fidgety sort of way out of the window at the weather we are soon on a friendly footing and the little man waxes exceeding chatty the rum fellow is that jim trett he remarks when the weather and divers other subjects have been commented upon and he's but a type of your unadulterated fenmen who alas are a generation which these days of breech-loaders railways drainage and school boards will soon supersede by a mongrel following the fashion of this world passeth away i've heard our parson say and it's a downright pity that your fenman has been included in the category education in particular is playing the excuse me sir i'd nearly dropped an old-fashioned english word with a u in the middle of it havoc i mean with their strange superstitions it is weeding out many of their queer old-time provincialisms and will some day convert their quaint norfolk dialect into dull terse unmelodious english 
in marshall's rural economy of norfolk written over a hundred years ago he tells us that there is an alertness in the servants and labourers of norfolk which i have not observed in any other district then he says a lot more and in contrasting them with their kentish duplicates makes regular models of them as to manners gait and air he might have been a norfolk man himself now i don't go so far as that if i am to compare your norfolkese of then with their descendants of to-day i'll grant you it will be difficult to find others to beat them at honesty sobriety and workishness times have altogether altered too since then a hundred years ago hodge was a boarder with his master he was bred and born on the farm worked there all his days and deed there and perhaps was happier on his five pounds ten per annum and his board and lodging than he is to-day perhaps not for he's certainly freer to-day he has his franchise and can please himself in his choice of masters but then increased pay doesn't go for everything for if he gets thirteen shillings a week there has been a corresponding rise in what he has to spend times have gone against him and machinery and foreign competition have seriously handicapped him many a fine young fellows had to budge and emigrate go to sea or find a billet in the overcrowded towns those who follow the sea and alternate it with work ashore seem to do fairly well but a fisherman's calling is an uncertain affair many of the young strapping fellows are now following the north sea herring fishery here landlord bring us some eggs and bacon and a jug of coffee so orders our talkative friend while we're discussing these matters we'll improve the time and ere afternoon has arrived the wind may have dropped a bit just look at that troop of larks flying over they're norwegians immigrating to our less inhospitable climate for the winter several flocks follow in rapid succession a number of wild geese are discerned high aloft and on a hawthorn hedge across the pytel or small field a number of fieldfares are seen busily plucking the ripening berries and the note of the red wing is heard as to superstitions there's a lot of queer notions still afloat thank you landlord now then sir help yourself you can't get fenfolk to do business on a friday those who follow the sea won't cross the bar either on that day if they can help it and as to walking under a ladder why that's equally unlucky primroses and poppies carried into a house are both bearers of bad luck and for a cuckoo to fly over it 
well let us leaf see the father of lies do it don't meet a cross-eyed party when you go to market better stop at home see three cuckoos on a walk and you'll have a death in the house ere long someone is sure to die if a peacock's feathers are brought into the house the hoot of an owl is more than uncanny a red bee flying in at the door or window portends the arrival of a gentleman a white bee signifies a lady i could tell you a lot more see i've quite a notebook full of folklore but the bacon's getting cold now then landlord some cheese and biscuits please believe me faith in witchcraft hasn't yet died out and the evil eye without a doubt blinks at times did you see the landlord spit on the floor just now he no more wanted to than i do that white horse driven by the house was the innocent cause of it it was lucky to expectorate our landlord is known as loper gray ask in the village for nathaniel and few will know him as such lope is norfolk for stride his long legs have earned him his cognomen nicknames are all the go in broadland some peculiar or curious personal characteristic or even some exploit irretrievably christens a fellow pretty mouth hewitt boxer brown grumpy johnson cadger reed and a host of others might be cited if you want to find a village notoriety make sure of his nickname rather than his family one for it may be he's known only by the former as to dress there's as much canvas and fustian about the broadman as will cover him and a broad-brimmed felt hat worn a la mephistopheles completes his rig out barring his boots and boots they are something like small cradles for size and pattern and as inartistic as an ironing box but the wind's gone down a bit what say you to a row across the broad the wind has so far spent itself jim trett said he thought it would ease when the tide ceased flowing that we can with safety venture out a few strokes and we turn a bend in the river then up a reed fringe lane of water and we are on the open broad the surface is still agitated though it matters not much to the grebes yonder diving and disporting in the cool waters they find it quiet below and the small roach crowding into the deep holes in the more sheltered bite fall an easy prey to the sharp-billed creatures we row along under the lee of a reed-bed in which the clicking of the coots makes strange music a parcel of reed pheasants or bearded tits fly off from some woolly reed tufts and still more larks pass overhead the froth churned by the wind from the troubled waters drifts in amongst the floating leaves 
that are entangled among the reed stems a turn in the clump brings us into the teeth of the wind and veritable white horsemen splash over the boat's bows and wet our belongings we soon tire of this and make for a rond that is made gay by the blue flowers of the michaelmas daisy and fastening the boat pick our way across the squashy bog disturbing two or three snipe as we follow a foot-track that winds its sinuous way across to a higher level this circuitous swampy footpath has been worn by jim trett's highlows and trends towards the good man's domicile it must not be thought that we have kept silence for our friend is irrepressible now for a rare treat in the way of food for mind and body says he for you'll get both at the fenman's cottage the wind has lulled considerably now and streaks of blue intersect the hitherto dull monotony of cloudland the rain has held off wonderfully nothing more than the merest sprinkling has fallen we sit down a while to muse and gossip our friend still unreeling his inexhaustible store of broadland folklore it is early when we enter the fenman's cottage the old lady gives us a hearty welcome mr talkative nudges us and whispers that the old gal is an original why mr thingamy i ain't seed ye for never i ain't how's all your family queries she as she clasps her fat freckled hand in her own wrinkled biceps sit ye down a bit tea's jest ready and jim'll be in early to-day specially as he knows ye come why here he come and what's the old fool a-goldering or laughing like that for why jim it do fair or seem funny for you to hain or lift your eyebrows like a big grinnin mother or girl you ain't so sad labore i can see as you were when you went out what's up wi ye well old woman i just now seed narber or neighbour cubert a comin home with his old dicky or donkey just as they reached loper grays it got scared and began a dancin well off come a wheel and a tub of swill as he'd gone and fetched flew off along wi him down went dicky and tub and cooba into a hole or dry ditch together what with dumplin and grease and sich like well bore in all your born days never did ye see sich a sight neither for nor arter and the old fellow roars again at the very recollection of it take a note of the words says mr talkative for their rail broad norfolk it is a pleasant time that we spend over at the good folks tea-table jim trett having oiled his gun and hung it up and his frail basket of game the aforesaid curlew and lapwing to which has been added a mallard and having made himself presentable sits down beside us 
need we detail the savoury viands presented good tasty heron hot potatoes mushrooms from the marshes garden beet from the cultivated patch surrounding boiled pike and potted eel and a whopper of a blackberry pie to finish with what more we need say of them jim trett brings forth from his memory locker many a stirring adventure for there are such to be met with in broadland much that is interesting about fish and bird and animal about shooting swans and snaring pike ferreting and trapping and what not several pages in the folklore diary are scribbled full as the good man plies his yarn whilst the old lady keeps dropping her knitting upon her lap to listen for long after our appetites are satisfied does the chat continue behold us just in time at the broadland station but for narba cubit's dicky we might have missed our train the wheel had been replaced the vagrant lichpin readjusted and both cubit and the trap had undergone a sousing and couldn't that little dicky spin along next day's flood tide finds us leaving our houseboat at the entrance of far-famed Braden. our craft is a characteristic norfolk punt our business the slaughtering of the innocents but not so much that perhaps as observation october ushers in the great migratorial movement of the birds all our summer birds have reached warmer lands by the second week of it their places have been filled by the hardier races from the more hostile north snow buntings twites larks waxwings and a host of other land birds most as common and many rarer usurp our woodlands meadows and wastelands where the cuckoo wheatear chiffchaff and others dwelt in summer time our mud-flats and sandy seashores resound with the varied cries of wading birds and the estuary waters are lively with the wildfowl that float upon them we cannot enter into this interesting subject for a volume alone would cover it the flats will soon be covered great grey gulls and immature of the black-headed species with a sprinkling of others winnow their way to and fro snatching up fragments of fish and grease floating on the surface of the brown waters yonder stalks a grey heron small flounders and juvenile shore crabs suit him just as well as the frogs and roach of fresher waters much might be said of the gradual change which has been creeping over Braden during half a century in the early part of it a number of men gained a fairly remunerative living by shooting the teal and widgeon and potsherds that used to crowd here many a rare bird too like the spoonbill avocet black-tailed godwit and others fell to their guns these with black terns phalaropes and other rarities and crowds of the commoner curlews 
bar-tailed godwits knots and grey plovers these last three in their striking nuptial plumage dropped in in springtime on their way north and again in autumn after the duties of procreation had ended what halls before the close seasons were instituted did the hardy wildfowlers make at times but great changes have taken place in their one-time favourite habitats and now october finds us with fewer birds to shoot or look at as we drift and paddle upstream the calls of a few curlews ringed plovers dunlins and mayhap of some less common species ring out over the rippling waste of waters a short way ahead of us upon the shelving mud are half a dozen small grey birds they are about as large as doves give us the glasses what pretty little fellows they are knots what are they doing two are splashing thigh deep in the shallow washing their already spotlessly clean plumage the others are nimbly running here and there in search of red ragworms or any small unfortunate crustacean that may have been playing in a tiny puddle now they all bunch up run a short way again then turn and innocently eye us as we come within gunshot a strange wheating cry of alarm escapes one but as if still willing to trust us they remain motionless shall we fire now no let the poor things go why should we harm them we remain looking down the barrel of our redoubtable old eight-bore we do not hesitate long a mallard comes whizzing past but we draw bead upon him and his fall headlong into the water follows the report we can eat him such are the tender mercies of the wildfowler chapter ten